Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. We are here in Rome and we are right now on top of the Aventine Hill. Tiffany, why don't you give a better picture of where we are right now? Well, the Aventine Hill is uh, probably the quietest hill in Rome. It's probably the most <laughs> residential hill in Rome. There's a Vespa There's going by. There's a Vespa going by. It is quiet comparatively. It's basically, if you want to visualize it, if you've ever been to, the, to, to Rome and you've, you've uh, been to the Colosseum and gone into the Forum and up the Capitoline Hill, the Aventine Hill is on the opposite side of the Circus Maximus from the, the Palatine Hill. So the Palatine Hill was, Remus, was Romulus's hill, the one that he picked to found his city on, and his brother Remus went to the Aventine Hill to try to found his version of the city, and we know how that ended. But so Do we remind us? Well, um, yeah, they had a fight about who got to you know, build the new city, because they both wanted to, be, you know, wanted to be the only one, and Remus, Romulus acts like it, you know, he gets to do it, and so uh, Romulus is like, no, 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 I saw this you know, flight of the birds, I, it's, I get to be the king, and Remus jumps you know, runs across the valley that would become the Circus Maximus, and he crosses the sacred boundary of Romulus's brand new city. And uh, because the sacred boundary must never be crossed, it's an act of war, Romulus kills his brother and say, thus will happen to anyone who dares to violate the sacred boundary of Rome. Hence why the Aventine Hill is now a residential neighborhood? Well, you know, funnily, <laughs> it became, originally it became sort of like the neighborhood for foreigners. You know, maybe that's why it's like the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's a very, very well-to-do area. And yes, people live here and they, their homes are very valuable. And uh, there's some beautiful, beautiful, very important churches. A lot of them medieval. And there were, were temples up here in ancient times. But we are here to look through a keyhole. Yes, the very mysterious, most famous keyhole in all of Rome. Yes. Belongs to who? Uh, it belongs to the Priory of the Knights of Malta, which are a, sh- a Catholic chivalric order. It still goes on to this day. And I actually had someone on my tour once who was uh, a member. So it's a real thing, but it's they're Catholic, so it's very much about good works. And they're not knights in the, in the way that we would imagine knights these days. But uh, one of this man who was a part of it did tell me that if you're a knight of Malta, you have a responsibility that every single year you will take someone who is either disabled or blind or very sick or has some kind of problem like that, and you will take them at your expense to one of the miraculous sites of Christendom. So you'll take them to Lourdes, or you'll take them to, um, to see the, uh, you know, the Fatima, or you know, these important sites. So we're standing at to a giant green door. It's a big archway. It's on a huge, I don't know, what would you call this surround? This it's huge. A wall. It's a wall that is, um, basically it's the wall of the garden of the Priory. Right. And how, do you have any idea why this keyhole became famous? Well, yeah, because if you look through it, you see something pretty spectacular. So we're going to go up. Katie's never seen this. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll pretend I haven't. Okay, take a look. Okay. Yeah, no matter how many times I see it, it's perfectly framed, and it's absolutely beautiful. Now I'm going to take a look, because even though I've been here a hundred times, I always look. Oh, so nice. So we've now seen the view. Let's, let's talk. We're going to go, uh, we're going to walk away from the line of people who are waiting to look through the keyhole, which is actually very modest right very now. small line today. I was, imp- I was surprised, happily surprised to see. Yeah, so Derek was up here just yesterday around the same time that we are, and he said that there was a line down the block. So I guess we just got lucky. 
but it's also very sunny by where the keyhole is and also kind of windy as you can hear and so we're going to go find somewhere with some shade to continue our much larger conversation because we're not just going to talk about a keyhole that you can't see and that we're not going to tell you what's through it <laughs> oh, right, yes. i mean i guess yeah. we could tell them we could tell them but i think that I think part of what's amazing about looking through the keyhole of the Knights of Malta is the surprise of it. And whenever I take people here, whether they're tourists or family members who are visiting, I never tell them what they're going to see. I just say, you have to look through this keyhole, so just look at it. So I think we should not tell them. I'm sure there are people listening who know, and those of you who know, you know what we're talking about. And those of you who haven't, we're not going to ruin the surprise for you. And I guess those of you who are like, I'm never ever going to go to Rome and I'm never going to look through that keyhole and I'm desperate to know what it is, you can write us an email at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But write to us instead. We'd rather hear from you. Uh, send us an email and we'll tell you what it is, but only if you're planning on never coming to Rome and never looking through that keyhole. In which case, who are you? <laughs> and what's wrong with you? <laughs> All right, so I may pause while we continue to walk. We're going to walk up to the garden, which if you listen to our gardens episode, the garden that's full of the orange trees, we're going to go sit there, find a little shade, and then make this conversation a lot headier because that's what we do. <laughs> All right. Katie, with a quick aside, I wanted to share something with you. Do you know what I've increased this summer? my giving of money to podcasters that I enjoy. I've been seeking out the shows I listen to every single week, finding them on Patreon, and committing to a monthly donation. The number one reason why is I know how much work it really is to produce a weekly show. It is real work and a real responsibility. And I want them to be paid for that hard work and the creativity they are putting out every single week. The second reason is I know how encouraging donations are. When you're working for free, a monthly donation is a vote of confidence. It is a listener saying, look, I like what you're doing, and I want to keep it going. And that is a marvelous compliment to receive. And the third reason is selfish, I suppose. I don't want my favorite shows to go away. I measure my days by them. On Tuesday, I listen to this one. On Friday, I listen to that one. They are a major part of my week. They entertain me, they give me new ideas, and they make me laugh. The amount I give runs the gamut. One show gets $7 a month. Another one gets $50 a month from me. But it's worth it. It is. So no, I can't afford to give to every show that I like. But I can afford to give to some of them. This week, I want to thank Susan. Thank you so much for making a one-time donation to the show through PayPal. It was so much fun to hear from you, and your support means so much to us. Watch your mailbox for a handwritten thank you note that will be arriving soon. If you value this show, there are links to donate in the show notes, or find them at thebittersweetlife.net. Okay. Now we are sitting amongst the orange trees and the flirting pigeons and the beautiful view, though we're not looking at it really right now. But let's get to the bigger topic that I wanted to talk about, which is there is a magic to looking through a keyhole and seeing what it is that you see through that keyhole. Which is, in this case, very unexpected and marvelous. Right. Very unexpected, very marvelous, and maybe not what you're imagining. In fact, the first time I ever looked through the keyhole, 
it was your suggestion. I was here for your wedding. I'm gonna turn away from the wind. There's gonna be a little wind, so we're gonna put up with that. We are professional radio operation. A little bit here. Does that help at all? Not really. <laughs> we'll move if it gets too bad, but it, it just puts you in the moment more. We're sitting in the wind. What can you say? Anyway, and you had suggested this is a thing that you should do if you have time. Go up there, look through the keyhole. I'm not going to tell you a single thing about what is through it. And it did have that kind of wow, surprise, magic to it. Um, but it's a bigger theme, I feel, that is about in traveling in Italy is that there is this mysterious magical quality to it because oftentimes you come across the unexpected more so than in other places that I've traveled I think in traveling you're always going to come across things that are unexpected because you don't know what you're doing like you're wandering around you're turning left you're turning right you're encountering things so I guess across the board there is a certain mystery to travel but what I'm talking about is very characterized I think by a walk Derek and I took on the Italian Riviera where one of the things we really wanted to do and why we picked the area we were in was we wanted to take a really long walk through nature and we had heard that you could walk from one town basically through a forest and end up at another town. And can you tell us the names of those towns? Yes, <laughs> can I? Uh, let's see, we were in Kamoli. And I want to just stop you right there because I want to give a shout out to someone uh, who who listens to this show and who follows us on Instagram, whose Instagram name is Smitten Italy, and I want to look up her real her full name because if she has one on there, I will say it. And the reason I'm doing this is because we oh her name is Heather. Hey Heather, this is for you. I posted a photo that uh, Katie sent me or a little video that Katie sent me when she was in Camogli, and I said, who can guess what town this is? And uh, Heather was the first guess right. Very, congratulations. Very nice. And then I think it's uh, Porto Venere. That's right. Portofino. Portofino, thank you. I, my brain was addled when <laughs> I was there. Okay. And then, of course, if you walk through the forest, you can end up all the way at the little point to Portofino, which is uh, the much more touristy area where everybody thinks to go. And we really wanted to do this walk. Of course, I was sick. I had COVID at the time but we thought well what could you do like who are you going to encounter where are you going to encounter fewer people than taking a walk through the forest (laughs) which was definitely true we did not see that many people during that whole walk but anyway the walk begins with us leaving town and we just are following these stairs uh up and up and up and up and up the hillside and there are little houses here and there occasionally But mostly it's just you kind of in the trench between two walls. And you know you're going in the right direction because every path had a symbol. Like you're either following a circle, you're following two circles, you're following a square, depending on what route you want to take. Anyway, we're going up and up and all along we're saying, oh, I wonder how does a person come to live this far up? How do they get groceries up here? Uh, You know, because as far as we can see, there's no roads. There's just this long staircase. And... How did they end up here? And most of the houses seem kind of remote. Some of them have like chickens. Some of them have some olive trees. But we're going past them. And and as we feel like we're getting further and further from town, all of a sudden we break into this clearing and we're in this piazza. It's no longer vertical. It's like a big, flat, round area. There's a big, beautiful church sitting there. And there's all these people sitting around. And we're like, how in the world did we just end up in like another little town, you know? (laughs) And it was just so unexpected. And so um, exactly what I'm talking about, like it has this magical quality where you think 
yeah, the people who live there know the town's there. But for us, it was just like, oh my gosh, we just happened upon this place in the middle of nowhere and it has this beautiful church and these lovely houses around it and then we walked through it and we were in the forest that is sounds wonderful i want to go now and then every now in the forest every now and then in the forest you're around nothing mm-hmm. you're on a path yes but all we can hear are trees and of course some dude with a leaf blower way down in the valley because you know there's always a leaf blower I'm not a big fan all these trees all of these birds we're walking along this path, and then all of a sudden you come to this altar with a bunch of picnic tables around it. Another thing where you're just like, why is this in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> Obviously people follow these trails. But you know what I'm getting at? Like this kind of magical quality. It's like almost like what you would read about in a book when you were kids. That possibility that if you hear scratching behind the wall, it's not just a bird that's gotten into your outside vent. It is, I don't know an animated knight who happens to live in the wall of your home. I don't know. It's like, but it has that same kind of quality. You know what I mean? Yes. The, the sense of possibility. Anything could be around the corner. Anything. Yeah, I know. And I, I just think that's so uniquely, sto- in its, at least in its storybooky fashion. Outside of that realm I was talking about, about normal travel, where like, yeah, if you're traveling in a new place, anything could be around any corner. But it has that fairy tale storybook feeling to it. And it's like, I almost don't even know how to describe it. But I was curious to ask you, like, since you've lived here for the last 16, 17 years now. Almost 18 now. Almost 18. Amazing. Does that just go away? Like, do you kind of come to expect it? Or, I mean, you know so many of the secrets now. You've seen what's through that keyhole I, 25 times, if not but more. But I still look. <laughs> but you still look. But does it does that part of that kind of unexpected feeling fall away? I don't know. Maybe in Rome, yes. But I would say not in Italy as a, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never actually stopped to think about it. So I, I have to think about it. But I don't think it goes away. I definitely felt like that in Monreale in Sicily. So if you go to Palermo, which is a great city, it's a gritty city, but it has some really beautiful art and some great places in it, some very good food. If you go to Palermo, there's this town nearby. It's like the next town over. It's maybe a half an hour drive. And it's a no big deal town. It's just this little town on the outskirts of Palermo. And you go there and I was, I knew about this place, and so I, I, when I was with someone who also wanted to see it, and so we made a point of going out there to the cathedral, to the cathedral of Monreale, and you go there, and I mean, we were racing to get there, and we made it there like literally, I don't know, like 20 minutes before they closed. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of time in there, but you go into this church, and I mean, there's lots of churches in Italy, you know, but this one is the best one, I mean, my opinion, and you go in, and it's Everywhere you look, on almost every surface of the church inside, are medieval mosaics. Mm. They're incredible. And they're just, I mean, it's jaw-dropping. And you think, you know, this little town that's no big deal, that nobody would go to otherwise, has this church that I believe is the most beautiful church in the world that I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, it's things like that. Why does that feel magical to you, though? Can you describe it? It feels magical because it's it's something that I feel like no nobody would expect if they didn't know about it. I mean, you wouldn't expect a church in a some in some kind of nondescript town that's right by like the the big city to have a treasure like that. 
-hmm. And, you know, if you go and you study art history in Rome, you know, you learn the, the reasons behind these works of art. You learn that, oh, you know, this cardinal was from this town or this city was an important site. There was a pilgrimage here. Or there was an important, you know, you can learn there are reasons behind it. But it doesn't, I don't think, lessen the shocking quality of walking into a church and it's not just because it's big. Like, there's lots of big churches in Italy. Just walk into a place like that and just be like, what? <laughs> this is here, hidden in this not very important town. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Well, and I allow myself a certain degree of magical thinking when I'm traveling over here. Yes, I mean, for me, magical thinking is a part of daily life. But yes, it's easier here, I think. There's more, it's, it's almost like you have proof everywhere you look of just like miraculous things happening. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, you could dig into it and be like, oh, that beautiful thing was built because of the ego of this dude, <laughs> you yes, know, but like, <laughs> but you can, but you can also look past that and think, well, that dude is long gone now. And this beautiful thing is still here. Mm -hmm. And it also like a lot of the whatever bad things about it can fall away if you have that magical view of it. Yeah. Whenever I do tours of the center of Rome, I always try to make my itinerary in such a way that when we come upon the Pantheon, it's always from around a corner. Because the Pantheon, and I think if you haven't been to Rome, you don't expect this. The Pantheon is just right in the middle of, of the city. It's not like going to Athens and going up to the, uh, you know, the Acropolis, and it's this like, you know, big hill that you can see from all over the city. And it's it's just right there it's just right in the middle of town and you just turn a corner all of a sudden the pantheon is just looming right in front of you it's so shocking i think if you're not expecting it yeah and it also all the like many of the roads that lead to it are very tiny very narrow roads so you almost don't expect that it's coming around the corner yeah you're just walking down there's people just walking you know random people business people oftentimes tourists but you know just walking down doing their own business and you know walking around all of a sudden boom it's there mm -hmm. and there and it's not the only place that's like that there's there's a number of places in Rome there's uh San Divo church which is one of the most beautiful churches in the city that you can enter from the front of the church and it's kind of like a, a fancy entrance and a big courtyard right in front of it but you can also enter from the back from the parallel street and the entrance is very simple there's like a little guardrail that like can move up and down if cars need to come in and you just walk in and it's like you wouldn't even think to go in like no tourist would walk in there they wouldn't think they would think this is a private building this is and you walk in and all of a sudden you turn the corner and you see this amazing church just like boom, pop. Yeah, yeah. So see, you even if you've never really thought about this before, you have thought about it in the sense that you know how to make a magical presentation to a person who's never been here before. Yes, and especially because my nephew was just in town a few weeks ago and I was doing this with him. I was... Uh, and I said, oh, you know, it was like one of our second or third day out. And I said, oh, I want you to see something, Parker. And Claudio got the, the idea from my voice that I wanted to surprise him. And he's like, no, 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 we did that yesterday. Because I had showed him the Pantheon in that way. And I actually had said, because he wasn't my, just a random client, he was my nephew. So I could tell him what to do a little bit more. And I said, Parker, look down, look down at your feet while you're walking. Don't look up. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and we walked and we walked until basically it was right in front of us. Claudia said, we did that yesterday. I said, no, it's not the Pantheon. It's a different thing. So that just goes to show, yes, there are several places in Rome that you well, can Well, what were you that. showing him when you had I was showing him Santivo. Where is that exactly? It's, um, it's, the main entrance is on Corso Rinascimento. It's basically like right outside the Piazza Navona. It's roughly between Piazza Navona and the Pantheon. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, too. There is also, it's a little bit magic, but it's a little bit history. 
I've spent a lot of time in Rome. You've spent even more time in Rome. Even in these pl- places, like, you've gone a bunch of times, you might think you know that place. But maybe you don't. There might be, like, another layer. Like, for instance, um, I just went to Santa Cecilia on a day when you and I couldn't see each other. And you had talked on a mini episode about getting access into the choir loft and seeing these ancient, I don't know, how do you describe well, it? They're medieval fre- it's a medieval fresco. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, it's a medieval fresco. I think it's 12th century? Yeah, end of the th- uh, 13th century. It's, it's 1293. Okay, yeah. And you had talked about that on a mini episode, I believe, and we were there looking at the church, and I said, oh, yeah, like in the recesses of my memory, Tiffany says I need to get into the choir loft. And so I rang the bell, the doorbell to the left of the entrance of the church, like you told me, and went in and looked at this fresco. And of course, from the choir loft, you also look down on the other tourists that are walking around Mm -hmm. the church. And then after that, we noticed like another nun sitting in another spot. And we asked her, you know, about what she was guarding, I guess. And it was access to the basement, and the basement is an old manor house, even older, like way older. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's St. Cecilia's actual home, her domus. Oh, I didn't read that, but I don't know. It was, a, it was an ancient manor home. Okay. But like with certain things intact, like some mosaic floors, uh, these silos where they used to store food, all down there. And I have been in this church so many times, and did I know I could go to the choir loft? Or into the basement below it and see, like, an ancient manor house at the same time? No, I had no idea. That's also another thing, too, is, like, when you're in a spot, if you have the time, like, just keep looking. There might be something else in this very room. Absolutely. You know, that's why you want to hire a tour guide. So, (laughs) DM us. (laughs) Yeah, if you're coming to Rome, Tiffany is your person. Yeah, and, and I also was thinking about how that mystery, at least in your book midnight in the piazza and in some of the research i'm doing for a couple novels that i've been working on your book actually has a lot of that magic in it you know that same kind of quality of pushing the wall in and finding that there's a little knight living in your wall (laughs) that doesn't happen but it has that same magical quality of that you can discover these mysteries that are like right under your nose and I, I just, I guess when thinking about this topic, I was thinking whether or not Tiffany knows she's feeling this, she must know she's feeling it, like inside somehow. I must, now that you say it in those words, yeah. The idea that there could be a whole ancient piece of a building right underneath my own apartment. Who knows? Yeah, right now we could have, I don't know, like the bones of Nero right below our bench. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I mean, that's Rome for you. That's at least something I've been thinking about. I, I agree. I think it's true. I think it's very true. So if there's an equivalent of that wherever you are living, because I'm going to look for the equivalent of this when I get back to Seattle, because I like this feeling and I like this idea of digging deeper and looking deeper and trying to surprise yourself in a place that you've been a bunch of times. Can I tell you something really quick? Sure. When I was probably eight, I would guess around that age, I went on a tour of underground Seattle. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, I live in an ancient city now. I go and visit ruins that are 2,000 years old, maybe more. But when I was a little kid in the 1980s, and I went down underneath Seattle in this very modern city, and I saw the ruins of early 20th century Seattle, I was absolutely fascinated. It was the coolest thing. 
that I had ever done. And it was the coolest thing that I did for a long time. And I remember it so well. It like stayed with me. And I just remember the guide saying, look at this. So the date is carved into this windowsill. And it was like 1917. And I was like, 1917? How was anybody even alive then? (laughs) It's so long ago. And this was only in the 80s. This reminds me of, I have a, an old telephone, you know, like the kind of phones that they used to hold in one hand with the, they'd have the receiver in one hand and the horn, like the horn to your ear. I don't know how to describe what those are called, but the kind of phone that our grandparents would have had when they were young people, when the phone was newer. Mm-hmm. I have an old one of those that after my grandfather died, I, he had actually just bought it because he wanted to turn it into a lamp, <laughs> but my grandmother was getting rid of it and I took it home and it sits in my living room. And my nephew came over, who is probably around the age you went to underground Seattle. And he said, oh, look at this phone. At least he knew. Maybe he even asked me what it was. But once I told him it was a phone, he said, is this the kind of phone you had when you were a little girl? <laughs> oh, God. Ouch. Like, no. <laughs> and he's like, how does it even work? He's really into technical things, but I thought that was so funny because it's like, you're old. Was this the kind of phone you had? I know, and you probably were like in your early 30s when he was eight. No, no, this was like last year, <laughs> but but yeah. Well, kids don't have a very good idea of, um, of time. I think Aurelio once asked me if I was alive when the dinosaurs were alive, Katie. So there you go. And you were like, yes, I was. <laughs> Let me tell you, I had a pet brontosaurus. <laughs> it was really hard to park. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, if there's an equivalent of this wherever you are, this idea, or in some kind of your thought, I know a lot of you are artists. I'd love to hear your take on this. You can always send us an email, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com, or send us a note. Yes, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for the Bittersweet Life Podcast and follow us if you're not following us already, please. Yes, we're taking pictures of all these locations in Rome. So if you're really curious about what the orange grove looks like that we're currently sitting in, Join us. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. The Bittersweet Life is produced and edited by me, Katie Sewell. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. If Rome is in your travel plans, be sure to arrange a historical tour with Tiffany. To set it up, send us a note through the Contact Us page at thebittersweetlife.net. Also, you could sponsor this show and reach thousands of engaged thinkers and travel lovers all over the world. Send us a note at thebittersweetlife.net to get the conversation started. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory, web help from Drew Atkins. And this show continues when listeners support it. Tell a friend to subscribe, write us a review, and like you would with any other art you appreciate, tip your podcaster. Don't steal the tea. Find ways to toss a donation in the hat at thebittersweetlife.net. Thank you. And thanks for spending the summer in Rome with us.